0: Hmm.
1: Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. Uh, okay, a couple of things. First off, uh, as I mentioned last week, today's episode, or rather mini-sode, uh, is our second time doing this. The file was corrupted, uh, and so we have to redo this. So I, could Im- I imagine... This Minnesota is going to be a little bit shorter uh, just because I could see us rushing through it just to get it over with. Uh, sorry about that, but at the same time, you don't care about Greatest Show on Earth, how could you? Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, just to give you a bit of a spoiler on my views of Greatest Show on Earth. Um, last week is when I uh, I posted the Minnesota about uh, movies that I recommend for conservatives, for liberals, and both. And you might have noticed, uh, you know, eagle-eared listeners might have noticed, wow, Tyler sure does jump from the intro uh, into Alien really fast. Here's what happened. Uh, Without getting into a lot of detail uh i cut the uh, the tech the the dialogue or speech track uh i made a cut because i had flubbed a line so i made that cut and then started up again and then when the time came to move things around to accommodate the music i did not move the entire speech track but the first section thus cutting off about 20 seconds of the second section uh full disclosure when i found out about that or when i realized that it was already posted and I was on my way to dinner with a friend, and when I realized that, I screamed at myself so loud for five straight minutes that when I saw this friend, he said, are you sick? No, my throat was destroyed because I was so furious at myself, just to let everyone know how I'm doing, by the way. Uh, things did take a turn towards the end there, though, uh, where I I was able to uh, pray and uh, speak Uh, Truth to myself and not just the terrible lies that I am in fact bad at everything. Everything. Which is a thing I said, not trying to evoke Leon the professional, uh, which I've actually never seen, but I've heard that, that line referenced many times. So anyway, uh, so if you happen to notice that and you thought like, wow, Tyler just jumped right into it, that was not intentional. I appreciate your continued patience as I uh, continue to make mistakes. Anyway, uh, enough of that uh, harrowing tale. Uh, I did want to let everybody know. Um, so this will be going up the 14th and so yeah on the 23rd is this year's alpha omega con uh it will be in artesia california if you go to alphaomegacon.com you can find out all the information um i will have my more than one lesson table set up there and then i will also be uh hosting and moderating a couple of panels um including one about the Alien series and about the films of Tim Burton. And joining me on the Tim Burton panel is my co-host today. It's Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? Hey. All right. Sorry that you had to wait so long to talk. Man, I fell asleep. I could see that. Uh, You seem pretty... You're so sleepy. I'm always half asleep. I could... uh, not only can I tell, I'm pretty sure the listeners can yeah, tell just as well. Though. Yeah. It's uh, I think you might've had a stroke actually oh, uh, is what I mean. <laughs> really? That makes sense. <laughs> this, this delightful little bit that you have, I think is actually quite tragic. Um, Ooh. so, uh, so yeah, uh, Josh, thanks for being back. You're welcome. Um, I feel like it's been a while since you've been on, but that's not actually true. Officially it's only been two weeks. Uh, because you and Kale were on talking about comedy. That's correct. But and But we recorded that and didgeridoos a lot. <laughs> um, I forgot all about that. Uh, I see Kale on a more regular basis now, so I'm going to have to try and make fun of him more for that. No, you should get him to play some. I'd like to hear it. Yes, that is also a thing I should do and then make fun of him afterwards. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, you could just do the first part. I don't think it would, uh, would hurt. I'm not following you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, you don't understand. We're talking about didgeridoos. Oh, oh. all right. Something needs to take the heat off of you for those paperweights. (laughs) All right. So what choice, look, I need to, if it's not, if I don't, if, if I'm not going to scream at myself, I have to turn that somewhere. Oh, okay. So, you know, I've made fun of you enough So uh, And I don't want to alienate my active co-hosts. I'd rather just turn (laughs) it to people I don't see that often. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, And by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, I'm actually uh, rather pleased with it. We we talk about some interesting things. And there was a a fun Facebook interaction where, as I was posting the episode, I posted the rhetorical question, (laughs) rhetorical, of is there anything that it's wrong for Christians to joke about? Here's the episode implying, here's the question. Would you like the answer? Click on this. But in the comment section, somebody just said, yes. And then uh, quoted, the, quoted the verse about course oh. joking <laughs> to which I responded with, oh, okay. Wow. I didn't think of that. I wish you'd been there for the episode. It would have saved us a lot of time. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> talking to Christians, man. <laughs> And look, I recognize I am one, but it's uh, it can be tiresome uh, when talking about art. But enough of that. Enough of my complaining, Josh. Enough. It's time to talk about spectacle and excitement. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I was about to say, <laughs> enough complaining. Let's talk about, oh, oops, never mind. Uh, so, yes, we are talking about the best picture, 1952, Cecil B. DeMille's The Greatest Show on earth starring among others Charles heston gloria graham uh james stewart emmett kelly as himself which is very exciting and various others um the film won best picture and best writing it was nominated for best picture uh sorry it was nominated for best director costumes and editing all right greatest show on earth is about the circus in all its glory in all its who cares I'm not sure if I would say I hate this movie there are elements to it that I appreciate but uh, I'm inclined to to bring up um, Around the World in 80 Days a movie Mm -hmm. that neither of us really liked but upon watching it I was like yes this movie is about as slight as can be but I get why it exists Mm -hmm. it is a very specific type of spectacle where, you know, the idea of CinemaScope was fairly new. And it was essentially a travel log. You know, you got long shots of these beautiful locations that quite frankly, in the 1950s, a lot of Americans had never been to and probably would never be to. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got in beautiful color, beautiful cinema scope, you're getting to see these places that you wouldn't otherwise. And that is the reason that Around the World 80 Days exists, in my opinion. And that it was popular. And that it was popular. The Greatest Show on Earth is all about the circus, and I was re- I was reading up on it and Cecil B. DeMille and various other people, uh, said like, you know, the circus was like the- it used to be this great American tradition, you know, it would come into town and everyone would go see it. Um, and so this is sort of a tribute to that. And so, yes, tons of spectacle as is common for Cecil B. DeMille. Um, but it is in service of something that I think like, look at what I just said about these two movies. One of them, the movie is providing them providing the audience something they can't see. One is something that it's all about how they can see it on a regular basis in person. Mm. So one of the things that I came away from as I watched The Greatest Show on Earth is like, oh, wow, I would like to go to a circus sometime. I'd like to actually be there in person as opposed to this, which mm-hmm. is two-dimensional And though it is big, it is not cinema scope. It is not like, it's not as big as being there in person. Like it really just felt like a shadow of the thing that it's trying to, to portray. Hmm. And so for me, it just, even as, even on the spectacle level, which is kind of what it's all about, I feel like it just did not serve the purpose. I did not come out of the film feeling satisfied that I had seen something big and magical and great uh now when is the last time you saw this film
0: i think i it was either college or after college so it's been a little while since i've seen it
1: i assume you saw it as a function of it being a best picture winner yes Yes. i wasn't just uh interested in it otherwise
0: um so yeah i remember thinking like oh this is this is okay but (laughs) yeah certainly not that great um I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the spectacle is not particularly interesting. Also, I've been to a real circus. So, again, it's not if it were something that I'd never done before, I could kind right. of see that being interesting. And maybe, you know, you mentioned that quote from Cecil B. DeMiller, whoever it was, and maybe to them, the circus was a bigger thing before. And they were trying to capture that somehow. Sure. So in that sense, it could be a thing that people didn't see anymore. But I don't know. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it captures some sort of grandeur that isn't there any, or what wouldn't have been there at the time.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm, re- I'm reminded of the Disney film Dumbo, mm-hmm. which is all about the circus. And yes, there's a sadness. There's a tremendous sadness to that film. But as you see the way the clowns operate, as you see the, the circus rolling into town and, and setting up. Uh, oddly enough, the animation and the freedom that animation can provide, I feel like that captures the spectacle hmm. way better than this, where you actually are seeing, excuse me, real elephants and real tigers and, and real trapeze artists and stuff like that, um, and so, and cause I, I'll say this, I have never been to a circus. I've been to Cirque du Soleil, uh, which is different, and artsier, and uh, there was a guy who uh, did tremendous things with yo-yos that, uh, look, I recognize everybody did pretty great things, but there was something about like, wow, he seems to be defying gravity. I went and looked him up uh, afterwards. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I've never been, so it's not, it certainly wasn't recapturing anything for me. Mm. And the circus, What's weird is there is a circus that kind of comes into Van Nuys from time to time. Yeah, it's like close to Fairly regularly. Yeah. Um, It seems to be horse-based. Like, there's a lot of horse and, like, hooved Hmm. animals there. I don't think there's any elephants or anything like that. It seems like a jit. It does a little bit, If you don't get elephants, then what are you paying for? I could see... I do think that the national mood has probably changed since 1952 towards, like the treatment of like, all right, let's load these animals onto a train and go to the next town. Like it does. I could see them and let's crack this whip to get the animal to do what we want. I could see people souring on that. Yeah. It has kind of
0: turned against that. And uh, I feel like mostly you hear bad things about circuses and how like animals were rescued from her circuses and things like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I feel like it's not a thing you do so much anymore if you're interested in that because you've never seen it and don't know if you'll ever get to, then yeah, you could go yeah. watch one of these, but then it might bother you for the same reason that these ones do. Cause I'm sure those animals are not, you know, treated with
1: by the standards that we'd probably set today. That is, that has to be true. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's, uh, every time we drive by it, cause like I said, it's fairly frequent in my neighborhood. Um, every time we drive by Jen, who has a real soft spot for animals. Um, I mean, most people do, um, I do as well, but she really does like to the point of like tears. Uh, and so she says like, oh, those poor horses and those poor, just everything really. Um, and I believe early on when I first saw that go up, I said like, oh, we should go. And she's like, I can't ever go to that. It's <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, note to self, don't, Like my own curiosity about the circus is not going to win here. You can sneak in there. I could sneak in, but at the same time, I also feel like it will be deeply depressing. <laughs> it, it very um, well might be. So, uh, so yeah, I do think that The Greatest Show on Earth is definitely a relic. A time of a different time. So along those lines, you know, perhaps Cecil B. DeMille saw the writing on the wall and saw that these aren't as big as they used to be. And they'll probably just keep getting smaller as we go. So I might as well do something to to try to document the sense of wonder that that came with the circus. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's that. And if that's the case, then. He, that's what he's done, and the fact that it has won Best Picture means that people will eventually see. Certain people will eventually see the film, but it really is just mostly a swing and a miss for me. Mm-hmm. Because there's also there's like an odd love triangle uh, story, and yeah, it's... and it's not that compelling. And
0: like, there are a lot of movies where I I really like Charlton Heston, and I feel like this is one that I'm like I I the performance really doesn't do anything for me.
1: Yeah. It's when you and I talked about Ben Hur. um, mm-hmm. you know, Heston is a unique actor, uh, mm-hmm. in that he has a very specific way of delivering dialogue that one could say is just inherently over the top. Mm-hmm. And so it's something, it definitely is not a modern style of acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet in Ben Hur, which is this four hour epic, um you need somebody. you don't want a modern style of acting. no. you can a modern style of acting will not carry a four hour epic. and he mm. needs to carry that film. and he does. yeah. um and so, you know great he's he's the guy in charge of the circus and greatest show on earth. so he needs to be able to to keep everybody straight and and, and have a sense of authority so that people have no problem, you know, reporting to him. Uh, and he does have that. But honestly, in watching it, I don't think Charlton Heston cared. <laughs> it really fe- felt a little bit phoned in. Hmm. And, you know, I've seen performances where I think he actually put in the effort. You know, Touch yeah. of Evil, I definitely think Ben Hur. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, so much of his character, I mean, may, perhaps he, and maybe I, maybe I'm wrong, but is the, the writing didn't seem to be there. There's no real arc to his character. He's this one thing, yeah. And I think Heston is just like, all right, I know what I got to do, and he just played. I think he put in the minimum amount of effort hmm. to realize the character. Not that there's much to realize, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, probably the most interesting part of it is. Jimmy Stewart's character simply here called buttons mm-hmm. and he walks around in clown makeup all the time. And it took me a moment to realize that it was Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> but then of course he has a fairly unmistakable way of speaking. Yeah. It's, he's hard to miss once he opens his mouth. Uh, but I think Button's story because, uh, they ask him like, Oh, why do you, why don't you ever take off his makeup? Uh, take off your makeup. And I don't remember his specific answer. Um, but it was very clever. Hmm. So, as we see Jimmy Stewart, who seems to be, he's just this very nice, good-hearted guy, and he does seem to have some kind of medical experience, perhaps from the war or something like that. Uh, And then, elsewhere, there is an investigation um, into this doctor who uh, killed his wife because she was sick. It was essentially a mercy killing. Mm. And it doesn't take long for us to be able to tie these two threads together and discover that oh medical experience we don't know his name never takes his makeup off okay Mm -hmm. I think we've got this Buttons Um, killed his wife Buttons killed his wife and I will say this like in 1952 the idea of a mercy killing and the character being seen as sympathetic sympathetic. uh, is strange yeah Um, but you know good for them I guess and it does make his and eventually I will say eventually he's caught um, and it's, a, uh, but it's in the midst of like this big, uh, crash, this big train crash, uh, mm-hmm. cause somebody wants to, uh, uh, sabotage the circus. So I think they like, uh, mess with the train tracks. And so the train carrying all the circus performers and stuff goes off the rails and people are injured. And so buttons jumps into action, even though there's like, uh, a police officer there that is specifically looking at him. And so if he were to do doctor things, that kind of do doctor things, there's gotta be a better <laughs> he, way. If to he, say goes if he goes doctor in. he goes full on doctor. Um, then, uh, then he will be certainly discovered, but he opts to do it anyway, thus gaining the respect of the very police officer who is arresting him, but he arrests him nonetheless. Um, so, And I'll tell you what's interesting in talking about that big train crash. um, So that's a spectacle, but it's clearly a model. Hmm. And then there are several scenes where Charlton Heston is talking to somebody and the the circus is happening in the background and it's clearly a blue screen. Hmm. And so like to me, when I think of spectacle and yes, I recognize that these days what with CG and stuff like that spectacle means something different. But when I think of, an old time spectacle. One of the things that I think of is they were there. Yeah. It was all happening. They actually crashed that train. Buster mm-hmm. Keaton actually blew up that bridge and a train came <laughs> crashing into the river, probably ruining the ecosystem for <laughs> years. Or I think David Lean went out into the middle of 120 degree heat. Mm-hmm. Um, like every, and, and that chariot race, it actually happened. I believe a stunt man was killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and obviously that's a tragedy, but like that is what spectacle is and you cannot fake it. And so for all, for all that we're saying about the spectacle of greatest show on earth, there are moments when he, where DeMille tries to, to fake it. And I think that, I think that contributes to my, to it not having the impact on me that I think it was meant to. And maybe that, I won't say viewers at the time were unsophisticated, uh, but I was, I'll, say, I'll use the word savvy. I'd say modern hmm. film goers are savvier to old time techniques. Hmm. And especially when, when we're comparing movies that actually are bigger than life and it's pure ambition and they're not cutting any corners, something like this looks like half measures, hmm. you know? Around the world in 80 days. They actually went to those yeah, places. Yeah. There's something to be said they for that. They were really in that balloon. They were... Re- well, I don't know if I'd go that Somebody far, was in some kind of yes. balloon. Someone was in a balloon somewhere. That's it. They didn't <laughs> use a, a scale model of a balloon, you know? And so... Uh, so that's another thing that I, I feel like it just doesn't sit well with me with the uh, greatest show on So ultimately, it's a film that I, it won Best Picture probably because it had a it had a sizable cast. Cecil B. DeMille was a beloved filmmaker, yeah. and it it's... made a fair amount of money. So. And it had, it did have the spectacle, regardless of whether it worked for me or not, it did have a spectacle element. Um, So the other nominees for Best Picture were High Noon, Ivanhoe, Moulin Rouge, and The Quiet Man. I have only seen High Noon of those i think i've only seen that also although it's possible i've seen that ivanhoe i
0: feel like i've seen some version of ivanhoe but i don't remember which one
1: i've never seen any version of it i remember it was something like the story of ivanhoe is something my dad was super into Mm -hmm. and he described it to me and it bored me to tears and uh maybe out of reverence for him i should look into it and yet somehow i have not (laughs) um so uh, and then that Mulan Rouge is a, is a John Huston film with yeah. uh, Jose Ferrer. Yeah. So that's and I like John Huston; he has such fascinating uh, instincts as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And the Quiet Man, that is considered one of John Ford's better films. I think he actually won Best Director for this, oh. beating out Cecil B. DeMille.
0: That could um, be. I've heard that's a great film, and some people say that's yeah. one of John Wayne's best performances.
1: Yes, I have heard that uh, as well, and it's it's always so fascinating to me that John Ford won. Best director four times, and none of them was uh, were for a western. <laughs> he won yeah. for The Informer, How Green Was My Valley, mm-hmm. The Quiet Man. I don't remember the other one, but I'm uh, oh, I think it was Grapes of Wrath. Oh yeah, um, I think it was that. But yeah, which has certainly western elements, but it yeah, is but you wouldn't no call western. it western, yeah. Um, so it's just so fascinating. Like not That's for the funny. Searchers uh, or Stagecoach or anything. <laughs> like. I think he was nominated for Stagecoach, but yeah, it's something that i find fascinating
0: i wonder if it's just at the time somehow westerns didn't seem uh like if they were thought of as lower in some way so that they didn't
1: yeah i think it must it, i think it honestly must be that
0: um because i'm trying to think of one that that actually won back then i mean unforgiven happened later years but there
1: is cimarron, cimarron yeah you know, which i have never seen yeah and i guess i'll have to eventually but yeah, it's. I mean, I it wasn't of unheard one. of for them to be nominated, and then like. Yeah. And I think Gary Cooper won Best Actor for High Noon. For Heine before, and, yeah. You know, but uh, but it is interesting. Like when it comes right down to it, like now genre pictures just were not that remarkably yeah. well respected. Yeah. Period. And even films, sure S- sword right. and sandal movies, sure. Right, because
0: they become epics. And yeah. I don't. I don't know. I've, I'm trying to think if there's ever been. I'm sure there has a Western epic, like maybe the, how the West how was won or something, that one, yeah. which might've been nominated for picture. I, I
1: think it was. I don't, I think it was, I don't remember for sure, but yeah, it seems like it. Um, and then there are, there are Westerns that seem epic in their tone, but mm-hmm. officially like the good, the bad and the ugly is not really that epic. It's only, no. it only really follows like three characters. Yeah. The good and the bad and the episode. Um
0: <laughs> And then high noon almost feels like it gets a nomination because it's a little bit of a twist on the classic Western. Yeah. Um, and that makes it, yeah, you know, that and, made it into something different, which appealed to people, made it interesting.
1: And there is, I don't know if this was viewed it if it was viewed this way at the time, I think it was um, that high noon was seen as kind of a McCarthy type situation where this guy is being He's abandoned by everybody who will stand up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that one, uh, and I think, it, I think it won best song that year. No, for really do not forsake me. Oh my darling. <laughs> not the catchiest of lyrics, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the only one I've seen. I think I would enjoy the quiet man. I think I'd probably enjoy Moulin Rouge. I'm sure Ivanhoe would bore me, um, <laughs> f- based on nothing. I remember nothing about the story. Um, but yeah, so looking at other 1952 releases, I would say it's not the best movie year, but there are some great, mo- w- great movies that mm-hmm. came out this year, um, and I would say some best picture movies. You would think the, so, yeah. The Bad and the Beautiful is a movie about Hollywood. It's got a good cast and very well written, very incisive. Um, Limelight, which I guess Limelight didn't get like a a major release that could be part of it but it not aside
0: from that it seems like it could right. be that sort of thing it's charlie chaplin coming back after
1: you know and i believe years. Need, i need i'm gonna need to look this up because i want to make sure i've got it right um and i'll so i'll come back to it and i'll talk about um orson welles othello um his shakespeare was always great but it was always so small and so limited in its release that uh, only now are we coming around to it hmm. um Othello is actually either has gotten or is about to get a criterion release, which is have you ever seen his Othello? I don't think so. Mm. It is so beautiful. I'm not even much of a Shakespeare guy. Um, like I, I struggle to understand what they're saying. It take. I'll say this. It takes probably about fifteen to twenty minutes for me to get into the cadence, and then yeah. once I am, once I you're think into I'm good. it, usually that's fine. But, uh, but it it takes a lot for me to get in that mood. Yeah, um, I I did
0: Shakespeare for years, and and was real into it for a while. And even now, like sometimes when I go to a Shakespeare play for the first five minutes or something, I'm like, oh, that's right, I gotta like pay attention.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> like oh, this is ridiculous. It's it's one of my favorite things from Shakespeare and Love is when. Uh, Uh, Jeffrey Rush is talking to, he's talking to, uh, Joseph Fiennes and he says, and he's asking him something. And then Shakespeare goes off on a flight of fancy. He's like, no, 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 Prose, just prose. (laughs) And so then they just start talking like normal human beings. Um, okay. So I want to make sure. Okay. Here we go. In regards to limelight, Mm -hmm. it did win best score Hmm. for 1972. Because it did not get an American oh. release until then. That's Isn't that weird. strange? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I remember I, I'd read that I I I was I thought it might be Limelight, but it might have been a different one. It might have been a King in New York, but no, it was it was Limelight. That's weird that they even did like twenty years later is Yeah. Feel that like, feels like a rule they probably wouldn't uh go with anymore,
0: right? Oh no, absolutely not. If if there was a movie that was like nominated for anything Nowadays, no. it was 20 years old. Everyone would be
1: like, "What? why is that? But you can tell it's like everything, because Chaplin did his own music. So it's like, yeah, we have an opportunity to give Chaplin an Oscar here. Now he would go on to get a Lifetime Achievement Award, of course. Mm. Um, it's like, we have an opportunity to give him some kind of competitive Oscar. Yes, we're going to probably bend some rules, and we're going to be a little bit ridiculous, but mm-hmm. we will give him an Oscar. <laughs> um, it's It seemed very uh, retroactive in that, in that yeah. regard. Um. Umberto D is a marvelous film. I haven't seen Akira, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah. Forbidden Games came out this year. It's a, it's a very uh, solid film. But probably a, a movie that astonishes me that it was not nominated, but I also know it didn't make a great deal of money at the time, mm. Singing in the Rain. Yeah, that's kind
0: of shocking to me that that one's not at least nominated. And, yeah. and maybe that shows you something about the box office had that much of a difference on it. It really seemed to. It seems surprising to me that it wouldn't have done that well in the box office.
1: Yeah. I wonder, part of me wonders if like, well, it's the year after an American in Paris, maybe people were tired of musicals, but I know that's not true. Yeah, Well, being a year after
0: American in Paris definitely does hurt it because that movie did win. So uh, I could certainly see that being maybe the biggest factor for it, not getting the nomination for them saying we can't do can't nominate a movie that's kind of the same thing again even though in many ways it's not and i think it's the better of the two
1: you might recall a conversation we had about spartacus not being nominated Mm. the year after ben-hur won yeah and so maybe yes it's this thing it's like well we already did one yeah let's we don't have to do (laughs) another one uh but yes and we'll be talking about an american in paris soon but uh yeah, Singing in the Rain is a vastly superior film yeah. in every possible way, yeah. um, and and since then, I mean, if there is any movie that is remembered from 1952, it is singing in the Rain. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, yes, among film students and stuff, you'll have your Umberto D., you'll probably have Akira and stuff like that, but as far as pop culture goes. Singing in the Rain is is considered like maybe the top, maybe the top Hollywood musical ever made. I think there when, are things I don't uh, love about it, but it's uh, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I think when they did the originally when they did that AFI Best Movies, it was mm-hmm. the highest musical. I think it was in the top ten films. It might have hmm. been ten.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. It's something that I didn't really care for when I was younger, but uh, Tiang for this film history class, the very first film that he shows the class is singing in the rain. Oh, cool. And so watching it on the big screen and then just seeing some of those amazing dance numbers. Mm-hmm. And yes, the big ballet sequence, or I guess the, the Broadway melody sequence, which just is so far out of <laughs> what the film is. Uh-huh. Um, the students don't care for it. And I got to say, I don't care for it much either. <laughs> um, but the story and the humor is just something I really appreciate. And yeah, I, I'm sure it's just a function of timing that yeah. it was not nominated, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so if somebody said to you, Hey, I'm thinking of watching greatest show on earth, what would you say? Uh, I mean, I've said this before on here. I think it's one for completionists. Yeah. Uh, otherwise I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't bother for my money. Yeah, I think I only for that. Like, that's the only reason either of us saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I will say that as we've been going along and when we finally wrap up this series, uh, I think we're going to go through and either... By we, I mean me and you can, you can be a part of it if you want to, but I could see you opting out because okay. it's time consuming and I like making lists more than most, um, essentially ranking the best pictures. Um, <sighs> and I think for me, greatest show on earth is like a bottom 10. I think it's for me, it is genuinely in contention for the worst. I'd say so. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Cause when it comes right down to it, they actually did crash that airplane in English patient. You know what I mean? Like there's something to be said for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and maybe I'm being too hard on it. It's, it's, it's a film that in many ways is perfectly fine, but I don't go to, I, I don't look at my best pictures as perfectly fine. Yeah. And I, I feel like there are, there have been a
0: few, but there aren't that many other ones that, that that's the case for yeah. us where we say like, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine, but it's not, yeah. That good. I'm sure there are.
1: I mean, an argument could be made. I mean, you hear about this that, like, as much as we don't care for English Patient, it at least is getting a reaction out of us. Mm-hmm. Greatest Show on Earth is a film that gets nothing. Yeah. Now, like, it is mediocre in that regard. Mm-hmm. And. Something that is astonishingly bad. And again, I don't even think English Patient is bad all the way down the line. There are good aspects to it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that idea of, I'd rather watch a bad movie. I mean, good movie first, and then bad movie, and then l- last on the list is a forgettable movie. Mm-hmm. And I think Greatest Show on Earth is a shockingly forgettable movie. Yeah, that's probably true. Which, for a, spe- for a spectacle is yeah, especially that shouldn't angus. be the way it is yeah but anyway okay so i think we'll go ahead and leave it there a reminder to everybody that uh check out alphomegacon.com for more information if you live in the uh, southern california area and come and check out the more than one lesson booth uh and come and talk to me and josh and uh check and Reed will be there as well it's just going to be a, a, a veritable who's who of more than one lesson hosts Okay. I recognize that I did not include Robert in that. Sorry about that. I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. But thank you everybody for listening, Josh. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. We'll catch you next time. Bye.